Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, episode 566. It is a Tuesday, January the 16th, the year of our Lord, 2024. And that means, well, no, folks, we're not going to do a Texas Tuesday. We are going to do a Texas Tuesday. Why? Well, because right now the courts are involved and God knows what's going to happen with that. So we're going to focus on things that we can be doing for Texas in the meantime, regardless if you are pro-nationalist or not. Before we go any further, let me remind you the biggest thing you can do to help me help you to make a difference here in Callan County, McKinney, Texas, and Texas as a whole is to like, share, and subscribe to this program. And if you're feeling particularly motivated, please go ahead, rate and review this program because everything that you do helps me overcome the algorithms. They are not our friends. They don't want us to be heard. And quite frankly, they just don't like us. (laughs) That being said, we're here. We're here at least four times a week, if not five. Coming to you at 4.45, Monday through Friday, whenever possible, to try and stay consistent. And maybe, just maybe, we'll try and get a couple of live shows in here this year. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. So, here we go. All right. Texas Tuesday. This almost sounds rhetorical, but it's not supposed to be. Will the real Texans please stand up? Now, I realize as a reformed Yankee, that's right, I'm one of those Yankees that came here, gave up the Yankee uh, roots, became a Texan. I grafted into it. I like to reference myself as a Davy Crockett Texan, right? I told everybody else where they can go and where I was going. And here I am. And I plan on staying and fighting and making the most of my time here. I didn't come from New Jersey. I didn't come from California. I didn't bring all that baggage with me. Nope. I came from the Midwest. As a good Wisconsinite, I still love my Packers and my snow, both of which decided to pay us a visit on the 15th of January, or I'm sorry, technically the 14th of January. And I'm sorry, it didn't end too well for the Cowboys, nor most of the traffic on January the 15th. But as always, it is passing and we will move on. We will live to fight another day. So if we're standing up, that means a number of things. One, if we are an independent sovereign state, whether we're fully independent from the national government or not, we have to act like it. We have to do things. We have to protect our borders because clearly the feds aren't interested in doing it and we need to do it. To that end, apparently, allegedly, the state government has stepped up and they have started to doing things. And wouldn't you know it, bad parents got their children killed. So their, op- their opportunity is to go ahead and sue the state of Texas. Never mind that you were a bad parent. Never mind that your foolishness, your irresponsibility is what got your child killed when you put them in a position that they should have never been in in the first place. And oh, by the way, you were breaking the existing law while you were doing it. That makes as much sense as somebody broke into my house and I filled them full of lead and then their family turns around and sues me. Now, fortunately, that really can't happen anymore in Texas, though I'm sure it can and will at some point in the future. At the moment, I am the one with the legal protection. So likewise, if you're foolish enough to come here uninvited, 
which you could make an argument that the feds have been inviting these folks for quite some time, but you don't have permission. You don't have a legal right to be here and you kill your child. I'm sorry. That's your fault. Not mine, not anybody else's. We refuse to accept responsibility and the feds and the federal government and the federal courts can all go pound sand. We ain't paying squat. Now I say that and it's real easy for me to say that because I have no real power or authority and I can almost guarantee the state of Texas will capitulate because apparently that's what our state government does best. But call me hopeful, call me thoughtful. Maybe just maybe we will make a difference this time. This time we're going to do something different. This time we're going to actually make a difference. I keep trying to focus on that, right? We're, we're focusing on the things that we actually agree on. I, I don't think the average person in the state of Texas has any interest in being overrun by thousands of Chinese, right? Thousands of Haitians, tens of thousands of Central Americans. They have zero desire to being overrun with these folks, yet they're coming. They're coming along with. They call them the OTMs, right? The other than Mexicans. And What's funny to me is for decades, there's been this kind of peaceful knowing understanding that there's a whole lot of folks that come here from Mexico because they want a better life. They want to do better for their family. They, they want better options. And knowing a little bit of what I do about the country of Mexico, I completely understand. I don't blame them. I, I wouldn't fault anybody for wanting to bring a better life to their family. But the problem is if I make it okay for them, then it's now become okay for everybody else. The problem is while that maybe was a mutually beneficial arrangement for quite some time, it really isn't any longer. So they pass this law. They say they're going to arrest people that aren't here legally. And now it gets dicey. There's a whole lot of people that maybe get caught up in the middle, a whole lot of people that get confused and, uh, mischaracterized. Now, there is a lot of nuance here, right? There's, there's a lot of things that could be said that could be very easily mischaracterized, misappropriated on my behalf and wouldn't do anybody any good. And so that being said, I, I have repeatedly acknowledged that if I were in their shoes, I'd probably be doing the same darn thing. So there's no hate there. There's no, you know, moral disregard. There's no looking down the nose. There's no white privilege in play here. Contrary to what some may think. This is just a, we have some rules. These are bare minimum rules. And now they've been abused and turned against us. So the only way we can fix this is to change the game, to adopt new rules. And yeah, they're going to be a little painful. They're, they're not going to be a lot of fun for both sides for some time until we figure out the new balance, the new way forward, the, the things that we can both benefit from long-term. Which brings me to the question, when you look at things that are going on and you, and you see this playing out, do you ever consider what is it that we're really missing? What's the big play here? What's what's going on in action? You know, 
there was that movie that I kind of talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, Leave the World Behind, where it posited that a world is far more scary without a cabal trying to run things than a world where the cabal is trying to run things. And I would tell you, I would never be okay with a cabal running things because they don't care about anybody else. They only care about themselves. And when there's a relatively, let's say, balanced way of approaching things, when there's an even fight, if you will, to be had, when there's an opportunity to be successful even against the odds, then that's very easy to accept that this is the world we live in and move on. And yeah, there's going to be winners and losers and not everybody gets to be uber successful, but the vast majority of people don't live in utter despair. That's not what these folks want. That's not what the uber Mitch, the The fellowship of the billionaires, the those that know better than the rest of us. Make your own conclusions and allusions to who they are, what they want. But at the end of the day, they don't care about you. They dictate terms at a national level, at a state level. Some would say it is a supranatural or supranational level. The two should not be confused, but could be interlinked. And here we are. Now, who in their right mind in the first world wants to eat like they do in the third world? Now, I could see where the third world sees benefits to moving up to at least the second world, if not the first world. But why in the world would you want to try and sell the notion that you should eat like you're a third world peasant? And people apparently buy this. Now, you may say I'm not being fair. You may say that, you know, I'm exaggerating, but I don't really think I am. Everything we see, everything we hear is largely manipulated, whether it's just straight up propaganda or a sales pitch. We don't know what's going on, but we have to find people that we can agree with, people that align with us. So one of the struggles is they're selling us on this notion that, You know, all religions are basically the same. Apparently now even the Pope's on board with this nonsense. Well, no, they're not. They have different outcomes. They have different desires. Now, they may have similar opinions on certain things, but no, they're not. There might be certain things that are similar about how people live in Sweden versus how people live in Belgium versus people how they live in Slovakia. But they're not the same. They're not the same people. They're similar. I mean, to me, that's almost, well, no, I'm not going to, it is, it is as ignorant as lumping in everybody that lives in the continent and Africa as being the same as it is to say everybody that lives in Europe is the same. Now in the United States, we've done what I would say is a somewhat admirable job of jamming everybody into some mm, sausage factory and coming up with a mutilated idea of what American culture is, which is a mishmash of many European and African cultures and to a lesser extent, Asian jammed into it. And then that was just doused over whatever uh, existing early European or let's call it American Indian culture was present, right? It's, it's all been glossed over and baked and they, they used to call it 
you know, the melting pot, and then they became the salad bowl. And I'll tell you, I don't think they were successful. They tried. They really did. But I think the average Texan has less in common with the average New Yorker than you might think. But then if you take a step back, the average American, whether they're in Texas or New York, has a much bigger leap between them and the average person in France or Spain. Or if you want to go a little different, Saudi Arabia or Libya. They're entirely different cultures, entirely different thought processes, entirely different structures, realities in many cases, and certainly priorities. So when you when you step back, you look at, well, how can we work together? This whole notion of a rules-based order was sold to us all, but really, we don't win from that. Oh, we might get to buy a couple of products for a dollar less or a couple of pennies less. But at the end of the day, if you bankrupt your nation, if you run those people into ruin, who wins? So when I look at that, I think to myself, well, what are we missing? It it might be surprising to you that they destroyed large parts of Ohio. They destroyed most of Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, when they took away all the ability to produce anything in this country because of well, EPA regulations mostly, unionized thuggery secondarily. And if you think I'm being unfair, well, that's fine. But I grew up in Milwaukee. I I got to see what happens when the unions couldn't get their head out of their fourth point of contact and think about what are the long-term consequences of us making more money when the company can't make a profit. Now, granted, companies are far from innocent and boards and uh, CEOs routinely play magic with the numbers, but at the end of the day, it's supposed to be a mutually beneficial situation. There's supposed to be a way to get ahead for everybody, but that doesn't seem to me what's happening anymore. Oh, so you can go to Walmart and you can buy something for 90 cents cheaper than what it was, you know, before we moved those jobs overseas. And now fast forward 30 years and after inflation, whatever else, you're actually paying significantly more than what you were 25 years ago for a product that's not quite as good and quite frankly now is, uh, let's say, made overseas and not readily available for various reasons. It ought to be very concerning to you that the short-sightedness created the problem where we don't even make our own military weapons. And now they're trying to restrict our ability to create our own ammunition in these United States. Now, who thought that was a good idea? Who who possibly could have thought it was beneficial to the world to hamstring the United States? Now, if you're a tin pot dictator, you're probably smirking to yourself. If you're if you're some uh, Muslim uh, adherent overseas somewhere, you're probably grateful that the great Satan is not able to bomb you into oblivion anymore. I guess if you're China or Russia, you're smirking at the stupidity of the American leadership. But if you're the average American, you got to be wondering, how did these people decide to sell us out? And why did they think this was a good idea? Did they honestly believe they would be immune and they would be able to avoid all the negative consequences that are come out of this? So when we, when we talk about Texas and we see that we have a leader that at the very least is far from being the worst, but so sure to be in the best, 
finally makes a step in the right direction, finally decides to do something about something, we need to be rallying around that. We need to be excited. We need to push and we need to basically make it clear that we want more. The only way Texas can succeed is if Texas adopts the idea of one, putting Texas first and two, and a a mantra that you've probably heard before, Texas forever, right? Texas has the ability right now, whether we're part of the union or outside of the union, we have the opportunity right now to produce our own power in quantities enough that nobody in these, in the great state of Texas shouldn't be able to buy power and take care of their homes and their families. We have the ability right now to produce enough petroleum to do anything that needs to be done for the foreseeable future. Right now, we have the ability to produce our own vehicles, whether they're you know, internal combustion engines or even these battery-powered uh, toys. We have the ability to do that on our own. Now, we're missing several key components that aren't produced in our state. We're missing lots of components that aren't even produced in our country, but we can fix all of that right now. We know what needs to be done. We know how to do it, and we still have people that are trained and capable of accomplishing these things, and the fact that we're not, that's what worries me. That's what causes me concern. I don't necessarily mind being dependent on the state of Wisconsin or the state of Michigan or the state of um Minnesota getting iron ore and shipping it somewhere else or coal so that we can produce high quality steel so that we can build things, but we don't do that anymore. Indeed, it hopefully didn't pass you by the idea that U.S. steel sold itself to a foreign competitor. There are no great steel companies left in this country anymore. And you can ask yourself questions why that might be and perhaps trying to find a Millennial that's willing to get dirty and sweat all day to produce uh, steel, <laughs> good luck finding somebody. And, and I'll tell you, as Gen X, I'm probably not enthusiastic about that, but if it's a difference being able to be able to take care of my family and make my country great again, uh, boy, I might be, uh, might be more inclined to do so. But people don't think that way. They, they were sold this, or sold this false pretense that we can get something marginally cheaper in the grocery store or marginally cheaper at Walmart if we'll just give up this production, never seeming to realize that if you gut all your production, then all the businesses that support that production business go away too. And sooner or later, that service-orientated economy that you sold us all as being able to go forward no longer functions because there's nobody producing anything in order to support the service industry. But we have the ability We have the time that we can reverse that course here in Texas because we do produce energy. Whether it's with those silly windmills or the solar farms, we produce energy. Whether it's digging up oil or pumping oil out of the ground or natural gas out of the ground, we produce energy. When you produce energy, you're producing something. You are producing the most basic element necessary in order to do anything else. That's the energy. We do that in spades here in Texas. We ought to be in the command seat going forward. We ought to be calling the shots and we can, if we will only do it, if we will only take charge of what has already been graciously gifted to Texas. Now there's a great migration coming to Texas, whether it's disaffected Yankees or disaffected 
Southern Hemisphere folks, they are all coming here because we sold them on the idea of a miracle, and to an extent we are in a miracle. But if we're not going to produce energy, if we're not going to turn metal parts into, I don't know, automobiles or other impressive arrays of technological advances, then I don't know what we're going to do. But I can tell you the way forward is production. The way forward is to make things that people want. The way forward is to vertically integrate our country. The way you create and maintain a colony or protectorate is you strip them of their natural resources, right? You take away those raw materials and then you turn around and sell them finished goods at a nice markup for you. Have you not been paying attention? Have you not noticed that's basically what's going on right now? If you're going to put Texas first, if you're going to consider how to best benefit Texas, quit giving away the basics. Quit quit assuming that we don't need to be doing the other things, that we don't need to take advantage of what we have here. We have a great talent pool of qualified workers. We have a great talent pool of people that are willing and wanting to work. You go to East Texas, there's no reason why they can't be raising chickens. Or cows, dairy cows even, I suppose, or or pigs. There's no reason they couldn't be doing that. Why in the world does East Texas resemble rural Pennsylvania or upstate Wisconsin where you've got a bunch of drug addicts that are drowning in the hopelessness of not being able to do anything productive with their lives? Why does that happen? Because of our own bad policies. That's where we're at. When you take away any way forward, any future that one can perceive, they accept that, they embrace it, and they drift off into the nothingness. Now, I don't know how you fix all of that overnight. I don't think you can. But if you continue to invest in Texas, if you continue to put Texas first, if you continue to look for ways to vertically integrate the industries that are already existing in Texas, there is a way forward. We can put these people to work. We can make people successful. We can rebuild the desire of that culture of independence right here in Texas. We can make a difference. We just have to focus on what we have and what the next steps are. We have to agree on the things that we agree upon and put aside the the small differences, put aside the political machinations, right? You know, there are a lot of socialists. There are a lot of progressives that they want to maintain control and they want to keep people under their thumb. Well, there's a way to deal with them. Well, actually, there's more than one way. I would suggest that we send them to New York or California. But apart from that, I understand helicopter rides are quite effective. If you're really, truly interested in being subservient and being a pawn, Chicago is quite nice this time of year. I mean, they'll give you a nice place to stay. All you got to do is show up and vote for the mayor. Come on. It's not that hard. But if you want to get ahead, if you want to make something better out of yourself, if you want to be part of a team, Texas has the edge right now. We just need to use it. We need to be willing to deploy people to protect our border. The problem on our border isn't people that want to come here to work. The problem is the narco gangs. The problem are the people that are smuggling people in. The people that are coming here that we don't want, whether they're Islamic 
terrorists, for lack of a better word, or they're communist infiltrators from China or whatever, we can deal with that. But right now we don't have the manpower or the resources or the interest in doing so, but we could, we can. You know, we have the benefit of Oklahoma to our north and Arkansas and uh, Louisiana to our east. Now we're probably never going to be able to fix New Mexico, but we can always direct those people into New Mexico. Oh, well, you want to come here? Yeah, you can just go over to New Mexico. They'll be happy to have you. When you, when you take away the free stuff, when you, when you take away the entitlements, when you take away the free stuff, the incentive program for people to come here, that helps. Unfortunately, the federal government is directly working against us with all their free stuff they're giving out, but just make them ineligible. I'm sorry. None of those programs are in effect here in Texas. You have to go over to New Mexico or New York or California, right? They'd be happy to help you, but we're out. Texas is closed for that business here. Texas is closed to handouts. And if you want handouts, yeah, they're not available here. Now, what's interesting to me is I heard a guy that was here from San Francisco and he was talking about how San Francisco got so bad. And he said, you guys have been sending your homeless to California for years. You've been exporting your own problems to California. He said, now it's California's fault. I mean, we do give people this stuff. We do encourage them to come there. So it's really no surprise that they did. But you guys are not innocent in this. You guys have exacerbated an existing problem. You guys have played up against this. And now you're upset because we're asking for a bigger cut. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a valid point. I mean, that is the other side of the story. So let me ask you. The longest journey begins with putting one front in front of the other, right? Making that first step. Are you willing to make the first step? Are you willing to think about Texas first? Are you willing to think about how can we do this better? How can we agree that these are the things that we need to be working on and start working on them? I don't have all the answers, but I can see plain as day what we need to be doing, what we need to be working towards. And maybe you're in a position or in an authority to where you can make some of these happen. And I'm just asking you, will you please think about it? Will you take that action? Will you, will you move us in that direction? Will you prepare us for the future that is there? Will you give us an opportunity to be successful and to succeed where other states have not? Now, we do make up the majority of the third coast. We have the ability to export our own oil. We don't really need anybody's help. But let me ask you, are you willing to get your hands dirty? Are you, are you willing to do something that maybe you thought you never wanted to do? I got to say, there's a lot of people that are younger than me. They're not willing to consider that. They see it as beneath them. They see it as not anything that's of value. And I got to tell you, as a 50 plus year old dude, I do think about what is gained by this. What is the value? What's the return on this time and this investment? I'm going to say for me, everything keys in on, can I take care of my family? Can I be there for my family? Can I make a difference in other ways? And if that means I have to give up a, a role or a position or a paycheck, in order to be able to continue to do those things, 
I haven't completely written it off. There are some things greater than my own individual desires. There are, there are some things that are more important than whatever my ego might dictate is the next big thing I need. But if you're not willing to at least consider putting other people or other things before yourself, if you're not able to consider that there are perhaps things that are more worthy than you are, then maybe you take a minute off and go look in the mirror. Because here at this Texas Tuesday, right, this episode, 566, I'm asking you, can you envision a future of Texas forever? Can you envision a great possibility that we stand on the precipice of making happen? Can you envision what it might look like if we were just willing to grab arm in arm And make that step forward and push back against the very things and the very people that don't want us to do what needs to be done. I have zero desire to own nothing and be happy. I'd be very content to own little and work towards happiness. But whatever propaganda, drug-induced world that they're envisioning for us is just not anything that I'm interested in. Certainly not something I would want for my daughters or my extended family. And quite frankly, I don't know how we got here. So I'm asking you. I'm begging you. Yes, being independent individual is important. But can you agree to work with somebody? Will you agree to make a difference by joining a team, being part of your tribe and making an investment in Texas? Because if we don't save Texas, there's really not going to be much of anything left. And if that doesn't scare you, it ought to. And with that, this has been According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.